welcome to PD in a Pod, where we will help you unlock the best strategies to create proactive schools. Join our hosts, Stacy and AT, as they journey through the latest professional development topics in education. This podcast will provide practical strategies for building culture, designing engaging lessons, using data to drive instruction, and developing multi-tiered systems of support for every student. Hi, welcome to PD in a Pod, uh, the podcast where we talk about proactive teaching and learning solutions. I'm Stacey Owens-Helms, your host for this afternoon or this time frame that we're spending together. So glad you're joining us today. Um, I'll be your host and I'm a consultant with Proactive Ed. So, so glad to be here. Joining us today is going to be A.T. Nelson. He's a former NASA systems engineer, also former school administrator, and now the author of his very first publication, Proactive Schools, a step-by-step guide to data-driven instructional cycles. So you'll want to stay tuned for A.T.'s famous dad jokes at the end. I promise I will start laughing more at them. I promise A.T. So welcome back, A.T. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Stacey. Let's get this party going. It's time for PD in a Pod. PD in a Pod. So today we're talking about standards and just a a little bit more, um, we talked about it in our previous podcast. So if you haven't uh, clicked on that one, you may wanna do that one before this, but either way, uh, we're just talking a little more about what we call official standards. Um, and you, you use that name because we know we've got these national standards and state standards and, and the standards we see in our curriculum. So if you would just start with me and just talk about why you've coined this term official standards and how does that relate to teachers? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the idea of official standards is uh, dates back uh, when uh, the federal government decided that every state was going to be assessed through some accountability uh, measure. Um, so states have mm-hmm. a set of standards, which we call state standards, and those standards are mm-hmm. those standards that um, schools and school districts are being held accountable for through some state assessment. And it also right. is how curriculum is being um, designed and determined um, is the, by the use of those official standards. Um, but official standards don't always have to be state standards. Official standards could also be industry standards. Uh, we have a lot of high school programs mm-hmm. that do career and, and technology, for example, that may have industry standards. Uh, we also have standards that are not necessarily related to academics. Um, we have some mm-hmm. places like uh, the state of Hawaii that has a whole set of standards that are just for behavior um, and they're not necessarily mm. related to academics. So when we think about um, standards, in short, we really just think about the rule of the land, right? What 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 mm-hmm. is what are the guiding principles for what students will know and what students will do and in what context will they uh, will they do those things? So when we say official standards, we're talking about some organization, some entity has come together and has adopted a set of standards to be the the uh, to represent the skills and the concepts uh, that students will will need to know and do. So okay, so that's basically the rules that we govern are governed by and and kind of kept by. So how much does uh, teacher content knowledge play into that and? and couple with standards to affect student performance? Well, I mean, it's it's interesting that you ask that because when you think about standards, they change, it seems like every three to five years, right? They're, they're forever changing. Yeah. 
Um, and most mm -hmm. our teacher schools, when you come out of teacher school, you may have a set of standards that you may have studied in college, but by the time you really get into the profession, those standards <laughs> may have changed. Um, you also right. may be teaching in a state that's different than where you went to college. Um, a lot of our a lot of our teachers mm -hmm. did not necessarily teach in that same state. Uh, so given that. Um, we cannot depend on the colleges by themselves to prepare teachers to have a deep understanding of their standards. But there is a direct correlation between understanding your standards and understanding your content, right? So if I was mm -hmm. you know, hired to teach math, then obviously I need to know mathematics, but I also need to know the standards that are related to math. And every teacher needs to know their standards going into the class, even in elementary school where they're responsible for teaching math, science, uh, ELA, uh, PE, and their right. own art and they can't draw. <laughs> you know, you got to absolutely teach everything, right? Um, and so you need to know your standards. So instead of sending teachers back to school all over again to mm -hmm. learn a whole nother set of standards, um, we tie content knowledge back to standards and we say, Take time to study your standards as a way of growing your own content knowledge, because the standards themselves, mm -hmm. they outline exactly what the students need to know for that particular content area. That's very different from studying your curriculum. We're not studying what happens on page 16. Um, we're studying what happens in the standard. That means we're studying the skills. We're studying the concepts. We're studying the context in which those standards are going to appear so that students now have a clear understanding of what they need to learn and teachers have a clear understanding of what they need to teach. So how does the skills and concepts, how do all these things work together um, when you come to when we talk about unpacking or deconstructing the standards? How do, how, do, how do we do all those things together in one service? Well, the standards are, are all standards are regardless of where they come from, by the way, they are all made up of, uh, you know, skills, they're all made up of concepts, they're all, they're all made up of context, they all have those characteristics in it. And if you look at a standard and you deconstruct that standard, you're going to be looking for things that sound like verbs, um, but not your, not the verbs that are telling adults what to do, the verbs that are telling the student what to do. Um, so mm. if you look at a standard that said compare and contrast key details, um, then if I look at the word compare, well, compare is a verb describing what students need to do. So then that is mm. the skill of the standard. If I was to take a look at the rest of that standard where it said key details, well, then key details is the concept. That is the almost kind of operating like a noun in the standard. Okay. So it tells, tells us what concept the students need to learn about. And then if the standard read compare uh, and contrast key details and important points into text, then the context is going to be inside of those two texts. That means that when the teacher and student are engaged in classroom activities, they would be engaged mm -hmm. in text, T-E-X-T. -E they would be engaged in text. That's the context of the learning. So I wouldn't imagine that they would be watching videos unless they are now going to transfer that to some type of written activity. They should text. be involved in text. They should be involved in, in the proper definition of text. So when we think about standards from that perspective, skills, concepts, and also context, we can now mm -hmm. do what I've asked all teachers to be able to do, which is to go straight from standard to classroom instruction. We call this standards-based instruction because without using Pinterest, 
without using Google, without using teacher pay teacher or any of those kind of stuff, construct mm-hmm. the standard properly, you should be able to go right into the classroom and begin teaching. Let me give you an example. Taking a look at that standard, compare and contrast important points and key details. If I wanted to start my class, I could open up with a sentence starter that sounded something like, good morning class, today you're going to learn about the concept, which is key details, important points, right? That means you're gonna interact with them. You're gonna learn everything about them. I'm gonna show them to you until you know you're tired of seeing them. You're going to know what a a key detail looks like. You're gonna know what it looks like, yeah. And then after you have seen that over and over again, then and only then, am I going to ask you to do something with what you have learned? I'm going to ask you to compare it. So if I wanted to start out my class going from standard straight into instruction, I would start out Mm -hmm. with a starter, very simple one that said, good morning class, today you're going to learn about important points and key details. And by the time our class is over, you will demonstrate your understanding of important points and key details, Mm. comparing the ones that I give you, right? So that is exactly how I expect the lesson to unfold. I expect teachers to show them different important points, different examples of key details. And only after the student has gotten an understanding of the concept do we then apply the skill. That's very different than saying, good morning, uh, uh, students. Today, you're going to compare. Right. Um, That's telling them what they need to do, but it doesn't tell them the concept or the context in which they are going to do it. So you should be able to look at the standard if it's deconstructed properly and go right into the classroom and teach it with that sentence starter. Good morning, class. Today we're going to Mm -hmm. learn about concept. And then by the time you finish, you will demonstrate what you know by doing this skill. So you're taking the noun. The concept right and the do part or the verb the skill or the compare and contrast and and generally what teachers do is they were going to compare and contrast today so we tell them that that's the thing that they're going to do right away so i agree um it's kind of flipping it flipping the script a little bit but it actually puts the emphasis on the powerful concept part is what we're truly offering to our learners um i really like that so with that so now we're, we're deconstructing um Tell me, how does that affect our learners and how does that create equity um, with our teaching practices? Because what you're doing now is you're deconstructing the parts and the pieces. How does that help us to truly meet all learners in our classrooms? Well, we have to think about our students that come into our classrooms being from various backgrounds, uh, different. Mm -hmm. Right. uh, For example. And if you are interacting with a student that is supposed to be learning about comparing and contrasting key details and important points, for example, um, you're going to have students that are going to enter into that at different levels. If I started my class with the sentence starter, starting with the verb instead of the concept, then I'm already Mm -hmm. telling the class this is the highest level of learning that will occur. Good morning, class. You will compare. You see? Um, But if I said today you're going to learn about important points and key details, you may have some Mm -hmm. students that are arriving into that learning journey identifying key details and important points because Mm -hmm. that's where they are in their proficiency levels. 
you may have other mm -hmm. students that are entering at the, well, now I can kind of compare, which is right at grade level. Um, and then you may have mm -hmm. some soaring above that, and they can not only tell you about important points and key details, but they can analyze <laughs> them, they can break them apart, and they can mm -hmm. connect them to different subjects, right. math and social studies. Um, and so right. by focusing <laughs> in on the concept and not identifying the skill as the ceiling, now I'm able to provide uh -huh. education in my classroom so that all students, regardless of their walk of life, have access to the standard at the level that they need access. That is where differentiation wow. comes into place, but it's almost falls naturally from just deconstructing right. the standard properly and restating our learning objective so that our focus is on conceptual understanding. It's on the concept and the skill only comes right. through as a way of us demonstrating that we understand that concept. Wow, okay. I've never thought of that one standard being chunked into differentiated opportunities automatically. Um, when you say that, I was like, wow, it does. It really separates naturally without having to do a pretest or pre-assessment, or it kind of gives students and gives teachers that opportunity to right away be able to differentiate um, where their students are at. I really do like that. Um, so now I, I'm thinking, why are we doing this work as teachers? Because, you know, no districts, um, states, they already have these, uh, um, pacing guides ready to go. They already have done the work for us. So why is it important for teachers like that ground level, like classroom teacher to look at these standards anyway? Uh, aren't, aren't pacing guides already there? <laughs> yeah, I get asked that all the time when I'm working with teachers. You know, <laughs> if I can go to teacher pay teacher Pinterest, if my district has released you know, here are the pacing guide, right. here are the standards. A lot of times they'll even deconstruct right. them for you. They'll tell you what it looks like deconstructing. Right. Then why would I take exactly. to do this? Um, and I've always uh, suggested to teachers that we should not ignore the, the professional development journey. Um, the professional development journey is important. Um, it is the difference between flipping hamburgers and running the restaurant. Um, we have to understand that when we wow. are interacting with students, we are there as the professional. And as the professional, we need to understand that we're not just regurgitating mm -hmm. what the district has said to us. We're not just regurgitating what a curriculum has asked us to do, but we have digested mm -hmm. for ourselves what the standard is asking um, students to know and do. And we can now transfer right. that into a true, authentic, rigorous, and relevant learning experience. That requires us to take a minute and study the standard. It just takes, that's really what it requires. It requires right. a minute. And doing that, because the bottom line is that in this country, we have quite a few teachers that are teaching subjects that they didn't major in. I mean, come on now. I mean, I could do a show right. of things, right. right? The number of teachers that are teaching right. content that they did not major in. They didn't major in math, right. but teaching math. They didn't major they're in a math class, but they're teaching English, right? And so right. when you, when you look sure. at it from that perspective, then it echoes underscores the importance of teachers taking a minute and studying what it is that students need to know and do prior to going into the classroom, even if districts have, have already given you the pacing calendar, they've already given you the standards deconstructed, it does not excuse any teacher from spending that time because that's building up their repertoire, it's building up their professional bank of knowledge so that when they mm -hmm. go into the classroom, they know that they can get those kids from where they are to where they need to be. Right, so do you, 
do you throw out that district guide already or do you how do you incorporate it into their own personal pacing what what how do you do that well you know there's a there's a difference between a pacing guide and a pacing calendar right um and so oh, when you think okay. about a pacing calendar um pacing calendar tells you that on day 10 you should be on page 16 right um that's where you should be <laughs> yeah um, true. And, that, and so there true. there are some uh, there's some issues that come about when you are running your classroom by a calendar, right? A pacing calendar. Mm. Uh, I like to refer yeah. to them as pacing guides, right? Um, pacing guides are flexible. Guides are flexible and they, they have built-in flexibility oh. in them. Calendars can be very rigid. Um, here's the mm -hmm. issue with the pacing calendar. If it tells you that on, on, on day you know 10, that you need to be on page six, mm -hmm. what happens when a student hasn't, Got <laughs> place where they can master. You know where I'm going. Um, on on yeah, on 10, exactly. right? So day ten is here, yeah. and they haven't shown mastery yet. Um, but right. if that's a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt, right? <laughs> and so, what if that is given? You know, maybe two more days, right? Like, like, what if what if they mastered on day twelve, right? They didn't master on day right. ten. They mastered right. on day twelve. But because the pacing calendar right. said mastery must occur by day ten, because that's the day that right. you test the kid. Then all of a sudden the mm -hmm. student labeled as below proficient. We start talking about interventions, right. but we're not really assessing the student's mental capacity. What we're assessing is their ability to learn quickly. And some of us learn yeah. at different paces. It doesn't make us any smarter, right. not smart. It's just that we learn at a different pace. And so if a kid masters content on day True. five, another kid masters on day 15, are all kids equally smart? Do any kids need intervention? That's the rhetorical question, obviously. So when we think about a pacing calendar that's so rigid that it forces learning to, I've, I've heard, I've gone to a lot of schools, Stacey, and they'll have a assessment Friday, right? Um, yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> it's assessment Friday. And so I don't care what you right. learned all week, but on Friday. Um, Friday week, we taking a test. <laughs> and so what if, what, if I, what if I needed Monday? What if I needed Monday to get to mastery, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and so yeah. now here I am placed in this intervention group here I am now having a report yeah. card that, neg that negatively reflects what I know. Here I am being a student with low self-esteem, confidence have gone down, not because I'm less mm. smart than anybody else here. Right. I just don't necessarily learn at that same pace. Um, and so I've always recommended schools incorporate a pacing guide that has some flexibility built in so that you have about a week worth of buffer so that you can get things done during that time with that flexibility mm -hmm. of if our students are ready to move on, we let them move on. And for those students that need a little extra time, mm -hmm. it's already baked into uh, the pacing guide. So that sounds wonderful, by the way. I love that. My, my realistic teacher brain tells me, but my district says, and I'm gonna say fill in the blank, we mm -hmm. have to be because of the calendar and those you know, 180, 85 days, so you're you're telling me as a teacher i have that autonomy to be able to build in that buffer or that i should be taking their recommendations and still meeting that how do i how do i do both how do i serve two masters here well i think that requires us to take a closer look at our standards that we um, are emphasizing during that time that we okay. have so okay. first answer to your question is we got to work closely with districts to make sure that they are creating this space in the pacing calendar, in the pacing guide, that okay. they're guides. Mm -hmm. um, that's important. Okay. 
But in those districts where that does not exist, um, the teacher really does need to have flexibility in terms of how they develop the lessons within that quote unquote. Okay. So for example, if the district said that a um, unit of study needs to occur in four weeks and that was it, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, this is the day right. week, the Friday of the fourth week is going to be the assessment. Right. Then as a mm -hmm. teacher, I need to backtrack off of that and say, okay, with the district okay. done in four, then I'm going to get it done in three, right? So I'm going to now figure okay. out what I need to emphasize so that by the end of that third week, I've covered the majority of the content. There's nothing here um, that I right. that's left for me to, to go over. So that last week, right before that fourth week is up, is built in for me to reteach misconceptions and go deeper and extend learning if necessary. Otherwise, what you would be doing is you would be teaching all the way up to that last day. Up to. Right. And if you do right. that, then you're not giving yourself that 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 space, really the students, you're not giving the students even that space uh, to be yeah. able to learn at a pace that is not necessarily consistent with the district calendar. So a uh, hog goes off in my brain because let's say, you know, we've got that assessment Friday and we've got four weeks for that unit. And so I'm backwards planning and I'm mapping out. I'm doing it in three. I mean, the great thing is if they do master it in three, what have I just done for my time? What have I been able to do? I've been able to get back that precious gold of time or days or teaching days. So I'm thinking that really leads us back into that, you know, our, the age old, where's I'm, where am I going to get more time? So we've, you know, we've built in a week of time for reteach, possibly reassess, um, or even extend, go figure, um, love to extend on some of those kiddos. But that week, that buffer could be the magical sauce mm -hmm. that really allows us, the teacher, um, to do some great teaching and learning in there. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I like that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So standards are not as icky as I might have heard. <laughs> they are not. They standards were. are our friend. They are absolutely our friend. We need them. <laughs> <laughs> we must embrace them. <laughs> Okay, great. Appreciate you uh, taking us through that and really talking about the official standards and, and what that looks like. Um, and actually, it's kind of exciting to think that if we take that and put that power back into our classrooms, mm -hmm. it's not the district right in our classroom. It's really the teacher that has that ability to um, to d just dive into the classroom and, and get that time back. So I like that um okay is it dad joke time what do you think oh my gosh we definitely you know we always got to come with the with a good dad joke don't we um so i'm gonna tell you a little story because folks that know me know that i'm a um little bit of a of a techie geeky kind of guy i was a nasa engineer <laughs> i was an educator yeah. so i kind of have this uh, not so hidden geeky side um and so i used to build computers um when i was uh when when i was in college um, and so um, me and my friends, we put a band together um, and uh, we called our band 99, 999 megabytes, 999. That's a, no, it's a weird name for, for a gig, right? It's like we called ourselves 999 megabytes. Um, that was the name of our band. Um, and can you believe to this day we still haven't gotten a gig? Yes, I can. And that is the punchline. Wow. I, I don't. Yeah. Ba -dum -bum. 
Oh, no, that, Stacia, you told me you were going to laugh. You told me you are going to laugh more. Oh, no, I was supposed to laugh. I can't do it. It just is everything in me to it's not just laugh so at some of those. It's just, it's just so bad. bad. It's just so bad. But that's okay. I know that's who you are, and we love you just how you are. I feel like a Mr. Rogers, and we see you, and we love you just how you are, AG. <laughs> I love you. So thank you, listeners, and everybody joining in for uh, PD in a Pod. We appreciate you taking the time to listen, to grow with us as we talk about proactive teaching and learning solutions. Um, subscribe to all of our social media channels. Um, hope to hear you and see you soon. Thanks for joining us today. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us for this episode of PD in a Pod. Now, head over to our website where you can access all of our podcast uploads, schedule a consultation, and check out our resources. As always, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues.